Hello everyone, uh, my name is Clayton Chow. I specialize in psychiatry and mental health. We're here today to have a conversation with my guest, uh, Dizzy Wright. Hi Dizzy, how are you? How you doing? I'm great. Thank you for taking the time out and your busy you schedule. Appreciate talk it. talk to us about it. No doubt. So, um, one of the things that, that you've spoken about publicly um, is the fact that you uh, was homeless, homeless at one time in your life. Mm -hmm. Can you talk more about that? Um, yeah, so, um, my mom's a single mom, five kids, uh, I have three brothers, and my sister, I'm the second oldest, and, um, none of our dads are around, um, and I think that my mom was just trying to hold everything together, and, um, I think it just got really difficult. And um, from there, we found ourselves in a shelter home, yeah. How old were you then? I was um, 14. Okay. What was it like for a teenager to live in a shelter? Um, it was, at the time, it was embarrassing, you know, just because I was 14 and you don't want to tell nobody that you you getting off the bus and you about to walk to the shelter home down the street, you know what I mean? But um, I pretty much was a positive person growing up, so I always tried to see the best in things. And so we know that there's uh, children who we, we call unstable house, right? So it could be motel kid or kids who live in the um, shelters, like your story, or kids who live triple up in the garage and what have you. Mm -hmm. How did you? How did you have friends? How, you know, how do you? How do you invite friends over? Or how do you? How do you have a relationship with friends that you, you have to hide that fact? Um, it's difficult. I could only imagine for, especially for um, you know, me and my brothers, we all handled it different. You know, everybody kind of um, handled it their own little way, but. It's difficult um, to not be stable. So I think, you know, and we moved a lot. Like we lived in a lot of hotels and just like that, you know, I'm just trying to find that stationary place. Uh, it was very difficult. The most, the most difficult thing is really just making those friends that you could be friends. You find yourself like always being a new kid. And, um, yeah, it was it was it was difficult. So at that age, uh, you know, b b beside fighting shelters and motel, you know, fighting uh, uh, food on table and what have you, healthcare. What was that like for you? Um, having it. Mm -hmm. Or uh, not having it. Not having it. You felt it when you didn't have it. You know. Um, but having it, I feel like just helped my mom out a lot. Um, keep things in order, just that little bit of uh, assistance. And I think um, not having it kind of, I don't know, it just takes a part of things away that kind of like um, can't be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And um, you can only do the best that you can in life. So it, it made things challenging. So being homeless, how long were you living in shelter? About a year. About a year. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, it was it was a little minute. Yeah. And do you think that it's affect the way you see the world now today? Oh yeah, for sure. 
for sure. Tell us more. Um, it just put me in a position to like appreciate the little things. So um, I think it just made me like a real like compassionate person, understanding person. Um, going through that part of my my that year being in the shelter it wasn't really technically like about race or like color it was like everybody was going through a struggle and um it made me see the world a little different like we're all going through stuff you know what i mean um and it's just not us and uh i think that just opened my eyes up to being more understanding to other people's issues I would say how, how does that affect the way you write music oh a lot yeah a lot a lot because you know I just want the world to be a better place you know and if I can contribute to that then you know I'm going to try to do that I think that's why you probably publicly talk about that right? and uh, what's what's your goal of what would you tell your fan um, push through. You can overcome anything. Um, I let people know because, um, you know, a lot of people think that you have to kind of do the typical, um, or you have to think the, a certain way. You have to think the same as other people that kind of want to do what you want to do, you know, and you can be whoever you are and just express yourself and spread your light however you want. And, um, I just want to be an example of somebody that just pushes through and tries to do what he enjoys doing to motivate somebody to do it for themselves. So a lot of kids uh, that I encounter uh, who are un unstably housed, let's say, whether it be in shelter or, or in motel, uh, struggle uh, emotionally um, with their situation, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of um, things that you, you can't, you can't have or you can't do if you live from shelter to shelter. Yeah. Yeah. How, how was that year uh, affect, affected your, your emotional well-being? It made my relationship with my mom um, it really weird. Um, you, get to, you get to a point where you start growing up and you start seeing the little things that your parents could have possibly did a little better. Or you start questioning some of the things that they're doing and like they always say, stay in a child's place. You know what I mean? And, but as a child, you have nothing to do but be an observer and learn from the things around you. So I think just being able to see my mom make uh, not the best decisions um, made our relationship really weird. And you start playing the blame game. Like, well, why am I here? How did I get here? How are we gonna get out? What's next? How can I get them basketball shoes? Cause Christmas coming up. You know what I mean? And as a kid, you're like not really worried about um, how to make it happen, but just how is it gonna happen? And I think I went into a stage where I was just playing a blame game, you know? Like somebody had to make this happen. We got here, you know? And um, I think it just made me like a to myself kind of person, being there just, I just kind of um, started um, keeping my emotions to myself and just learning how to um, figure it out. Was there um, 
any suggestion that maybe you can see a counselor or anything like that. I guess did anyone kind of notice that you trying to keep things to yourself and withdrawn? Nah, <laughs> nah, 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 not at all. I mean, it's, it's it's five of us, so it's like nothing could ever be too big of a deal. You know, I think that's how me and my brothers helped each other. You know, really just not letting um, anyone in, you know, our our immediate family ponder on something for too long or be hung up on something for too long. We always try to, you know, um, switch the vibe. So even being in the shelter, we like, you know, tried to turn the shelter into like home, you know, and like. It was only cool when you told somebody that didn't live in a shelter, but everybody in the shelter thought we was the coolest people in the damn block. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's just all about what you make it, and it really is. So you found a, a, a positive way of coping with it. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So we were talking about um, how your family, at least the five of you siblings, um, creatively cope with. Uh, living in the shelter and, mm -hmm. and was a very tight and uh, tell us more about that you know actually my older brother didn't live with us mm -hmm. um it was just me and my two little brothers and my sister okay. and my older brother was staying with my auntie at the time so it was actually just four of us in there okay. um but yeah i think just like the shelter home had like this basketball court like, it had, like, this gate. You walk through this gate, and then you walk. And then there was, like, benches on the side, and you go down. And then it was, like, the living area where everybody lived. You walked in these doors. It's, like, a few different, like, little rooms with, like, a bunch of bunk beds and stuff like that. And But there was this basketball court outside. And, you know, just being 14, having a basket access to something that you love. I think that helped me personally um, a lot. But, you know, it just depends on what type of kid you are you know and how you look at things a, mi a minute earlier we were talking about how healthcare was important mm -hmm. so I assume that that was the time that you were on Medicaid then sorry yeah and so accessing care being on Medicaid what was that like um meaning meaning there's a lot of people have very negative connotations about being on Medicaid, right? But we do know that a lot of children and family in the United States are on Medicaid or have Medicaid as their primary insurance. So, uh, yeah, I think that um, I think it's important. You don't want anybody to. I think even for us, you don't want anybody to be sick, mm -hmm. you know. And um, yeah, I think it's very important. I mean, it's. You got to be able to take care of the people that need to be taken care of. I think this country makes enough money to make it happen. Um, and I just think it's unfair for um, for someone not to be treated based off their circumstances. Because yeah. Yeah. I think people with the ability to afford their own private insurance probably don't have an understanding of what it's like to not have insurance. Yeah. Yeah, and people grow up in different areas and, and under different circumstances and have a lot less than other people. 
I think um, it's just the right thing to do. So, I understand you have two kids? I do. Yeah. So, can you imagine not having health care coverage for them? I couldn't. Yeah. So, in your mind, what is the importance of having health care coverage uh, for children, for our children? Um, safety. Okay. Safety. Um, I think I just got to go hard. I think I just want the best for all the kids. Like, I just want everybody to be taken care of. If all these people are going and working all this hard to become these special people, we should just take care of everybody, you know, and treat our country as one. And, you know, not leave people out to just to just get sick and die or whatever. You know, I think that we should um, be on top of these things. I think it's important to just treat everybody as one. So I know one of the things that Medicaid... Uh uh, concentrate on this the preventive stuff right mm -hmm. for children and and I think people don't see the importance of that and people don't see that that really does play into the healthy of our next generation in terms of having the ability to get the care ahead of time preventive care and what have you um, tell us more what, what you saw when you were when you were living in shelter because the poly adults at that time did not have health care, right? Because the way we change health care, uh, Medicaid uh, eligibility just happened in this last few years. But back then, probably there were people that have health care need that didn't have insurance. Yeah, yeah. The shelter, that. The shelter it was um, a sad place, a little bit. Um, well, the thing is, is when you're a kid and you see a bunch of adults that just seem very sad and out of their element, you, like, wonder, like, well, what the hell happened? Like, you didn't have nothing that you really enjoyed doing and didn't want to stick to that. You don't know. As a kid, you're just, like, trying to figure it out. Like, um, did you give up? You know what I mean? Uh, and it just, you don't, you don't never really have the answers, but... Those are the questions. It just seems like it, it, it seems like a lot of people um, couldn't really do for themselves, and it was just in a bad place. So I think a lot of people only think of Medicaid as, you know, have the ability to have insurance to take care of your, you know, cold, broken arms, stuff like that. But not many people think about the mental health issue. Yeah, right? what you just described are. A group of adults that have some emotional, some mental health symptoms, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and if Medicaid were available to them back then, uh, they could seek treatment for that. Right? Absolutely. Why does why do they not want Medicaid to cope, like to be a thing? When you say they, who do you mean? The president, the mm -hmm. the you know whoever stems down from sure. the man with the sure. with the stamp. Sure, sure. So there's there's various thought on um, having the importance of having healthcare coverage, right? So the, the the those of us who believe that healthcare is a human right, especially as you mentioned, as country like ours, it's hard to believe that there are people who would not have the ability to get health care right. appropriately. Yeah. Right. And and so if you think from that point of view of having health care as a human right issue, then it would be very easy. 
but of course other people are looking at it as cost and mm. the reason why people uh, qualify for Medicaid etc mm. so and then there's stigma attached to that because of that stereotype right we know that what 30 million kids in the US are on Medicaid or have Medicaid as their insurance mm -hmm. right? so that's the major major source of health care for yeah them, right um, we tend to think of people who have Medicaid are folks who sorry lazy don't mm -hmm. do anything but that's not true I mean as you know the economy is very difficult yeah in, it's in crazy country it's crazy out here yeah until so, so if you if you're not able to find work or work that pay enough for you to have insurance and then you get sick and you don't get health care then you're not gonna be able to work you're gonna be able to provide that's for yourself right. that's why right. so I think people need to understand the importance of having health care coverage right I uh, agree from 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 a teenager point of view you you questioning why are people why are why would those adults uh, not doing anything, not motivated. Um, well, those are sign of presumably depression, and you don't get treated, you don't get better, and life just gets stagnant. Right? So that's the importance of having healthcare coverage, not only for the physical health side, but also for the emotional health side. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So how long were uh, did you have Medicaid as your healthcare coverage? Um. I had Medicaid for about almost 10 years. Yeah. Almost 10 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. I for sure needed it. You know, I needed it bad. Um, or I just don't think I would have been able to see at all. I got hit in the eye with a penny from a slingshot mm. when I was um, eight years old or nine years old. Okay. And um, they they told me I was legally blind. At the age of eight. Wow. Yeah, eight. They told me I was legally blind. I was like, what? <laughs> no, but um, you know, I had to go through all these laser treatments and like all these different things for my eyes to like get my eyes right and stuff like that. And um, I think just being on Medicaid, uh, you know, really helped my mom. You know, because there's no way she would have been able to afford any of the stuff that I was, you know, being treated with or for how long. Um, and with everything, you know, you, you just want your kids to be able to see. Right. You know what I mean? And I didn't hit myself with a penny. You know, I just got hit randomly. Um, I wasn't even playing. I wasn't even involved in the little thing. I just got cracked in the eye. So... Circumstances like that happen, you know what I mean? And I don't I don't I just don't think that um we should put anybody in debt or we should like make anybody feel like um they're lazy because something unfortunate happened when um our great country should be able to come in and help us, you know what I'm saying? And um we contribute, they contribute and we all contribute. But it, it helped me out uh, a lot, a lot. So that was a great story of, you know, when you really needed it. Yeah. You know, it's there to, to help you. And like you said, imagine the, 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 the stress that would have put on your family. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't, ima I can't even imagine. My mom already stressed a lot. So that would have been wild. So as 
you now have your private insurance, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> um, my fiance helped me with that. Um, uh, it wasn't as difficult as I thought it was gonna be. Um, but it's still very, um, you know, something you have to maintain. So it's important. Um, and and I'm gonna go back and and ask you a bit more about the emotional well-being. Okay. Piece. Did you ever um, think that you needed that service, um, knowing that you've gone through a lot in your life? For me, I always felt like this. Somebody's doing way worse than me, right? Like, this is me personally. Like, um, you know, I used to complain about, like, my shoes and stuff until I seen a kid with one leg, you know? And I was just like, I never complained about shoes again. And for me, it was... I always felt like somebody was going through something a little more than what I was going through with. And that helped me understand that, you know, I got it a little better. So I should just try to, you know, push through. Uh, but it gets difficult. You know what I mean? It gets difficult to always push through. Um, but it's definitely something that you have to kind of like, For me, it's something you have to stick to and something you have to just stand by. And um, I think that helped me a lot. How do you encourage a youngster going through difficulty mm. from your experience? Going through um, like a shelter home? Mm -hmm. How would I encourage them to keep going? I would just kind of, some kind of way, let them know that this isn't it. You know, this isn't where where it all ends. You know, this is just um, a speed bump on the, on your journey. You know, I would get them in tune with their journey and journeys, and make them study what a journey is. You know, because I feel like when you understand that, then you know that you're only going through something that's temporary um, on your journey. And I think that that would um, help anybody that just felt like is this my life is this where I'm at like is this is, is this is what I'm gonna end up like you know and it's, you just have to know that it's just something of on your way to wherever the hell you're going you know what I mean and, um, so I would try to um, convince them to just look at their journey as something bigger than their the moment that they're in you know what I mean in some kind of words When I heard about you openly talk about uh, being homeless and, and uh, pretty much really believe in Medicaid, I was actually very touched because artists that uh, have status like yours probably would shy away from speaking publicly about issues like that. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do, how do, how have your colleagues or or other folks in the industry been responding to you speaking publicly like this? Um, I think really well. I think people uh, people can feel your passion a little bit more when they know where you, where it's coming from. If you break that down, then that means a whole lot of things on even how I got to be 
who I am and why my energy is the way it is, you know, and really understanding the growth of somebody can help you understand why they're so passionate about the things they say and why they move the way they move. And I think me being open and just letting people know like, yo, I'm not just positive because I just want the world to be a positive place. I see how the world is. And I want to be, I want the world to be a positive place because of that, you know, and you got to feel my passion. And um, I think that draws people in and um, it's just being yourself and being true to yourself and understanding yourself. And that taught me a lot too. When you're living in a shelter home, um, you learn how to be true to yourself sometimes because you're not trying to impress people with the things that you have. You don't have anything but yourself, you know what I mean? So you have to make people intrigued with what you got going on um, up here. Because if they focus in on where you live, then they're going to be like, well, I ain't coming over there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, I think that it could be it could be a good and a bad thing. It's just like people that go to jail and they come out and they're better people, you know, but they can't really do anything for the world because they're felons. Mm -hmm. But they had that time to really sit down and get in tune with themselves. And you know what I mean? Um, not be running around trying to, you know, uh, get clout or impress people off of things that don't matter, you know. Um, so it's just all about how you look at it. So I think I think your story is very powerful for somebody who's young, right, young kid who lives in poverty, homeless, or, um, on uh, uh, um, on day to day basis don't know when they're gonna be able to get out of that situation and you made it yeah the bottom line you made it give us five things that helped you make it through and be where you at today um meditation whether it's, it's prayer or you whatever you do uh meditation you know really finding that quiet place and uh being able to sort things out yourself within what you got going on. So I I made a project based off of a book called The Four Agreements. Okay. And um, this book for me really changed my life, not because it was information that I'd never seen, but it was information that I knew, but it was just kind of like reading it. It was like going back in my mind type of things, but you just don't know how to express it all the time. So. The four agreements, um, you know, being impeccable, not taking anything personal, um, always doing your best, uh, or not making assumptions and always doing your best. Um, those four things plus meditation, you know, meditation, being impeccable, doing your best, not making any assumptions, you know, those type of things, um, not taking anything personal, that will lead you to such a happy place. It will lead you like you don't you won't be worried about what everybody else is thinking. You won't be you just be putting your good out into the world and you'll be watching it come back instead of overthinking everything and um taking things personal or making assumptions thinking that somebody's thinking this or somebody's thinking that or, or doubting yourself you know um always doing your if you're always doing your best then you don't really doubt yourself you know what i'm saying so it's just little things in the book that um 
I apply to not only my music career, but just to my life. I like still apply it to my everyday living. And I think that um, if, you know, if I had to give any advice, I would slide somebody that book. And I would tell them, because that's what somebody did for me. And um, let them find their own true happiness within that. You know what I mean? All right, so you know I'm a shrink, so we, we have to talk about emotional wellness and, and health, right? Absolutely. And, and hearing your story, um, tell us, share with us some of your rough spots and situa rough situations. Um, some of some rough situations. Um, you know, I had, a, I had a really rocky relationship with my mom growing up. Um, especially you know, my high school years. And I know some people is like, every high school kid is like, they all got their problems. Um, but I found myself having kind of a real issue with my mom, just based off of being that kid who was an observer and I could see things and things like that. But I think that just coming up in the music industry and my mom being my manager from the jump and um, being so... So I started music by my mom. My mom started writing my raps when I was about seven years old, eight years old. She was like, if I write the raps, will you rap them? And my mom was in the music industry and she had like access to studios and different things like that. So that's how my, me and my brother were able to get into the studio so little, so young. Um, and I think just the, the transition from me wanting to be my own artist and write my own music and kind of let my mom know, Hey, you got to play the back burner a little bit. Um, she ain't like that. She ain't like that. She wanted to be the star. <laughs> but I think um, growing up and just being so passionate about the things that I wanted to say, uh, it made us bump heads a little bit, for sure. Some of your music talk about emotions and what have you. Tell us your best song, in your opinion. That that speak to your emotion, I guess. That's the oh, so many, my man. <laughs> so many, yo. Um, like I made a song about my daughter before she was born, um, called "Letter to My Unborn Child." Okay. Um, that was a really special record. Like I had all my friends in the video. Like, is he having a baby? Is he having a baby? <laughs> it was just, it was a way that I expressed that I wanted the world to know that I was bringing a, a, a kid into the world. Um, but then later on, that same kid, I got on, you know, my daughter, I put her on a record called Daddy-Daughter Relationship. And I have her talking about my son who wasn't born at the time. So that's kind of special too you know because um, she was so little and he will always be able to go back and be like oh my sister was talking about me on this song before I was even here you know and um, so different little things like that but you know I could go down the line there's a, there's a song called False Reality um, of people just feeding into false realities I always thought that was a really important record that I did but I could go on for days. Oh no! Please go on. I I want to know. Yeah, what, what the emotional state that so helped you write those kind of lyrics. 
it's it's funny because I'm always in a different stage, right? Like, and I use my my music to kind of paint where I'm at okay. emotionally. Okay. Um. So, you know, my my first project that really got known was called Soul Searching, and I dropped Soul Searching in 2010, I think. And um, exactly what the title is, Soul Searching really trying to find my soul in this world and just how it fits, you know? And um, I just felt a little different than a lot of people. And I just felt like, you know, that was the best way to describe that. But then I went on to doing um, Smoke Out Conversations. That was more the first time when I met my father. And I met my father for the first time. I was um, 21. Uh, is at a show in Detroit. My my father went to jail when I was like three months, and he did he did um, twenty plus years. And I I got to meet him for the first time at my show. I had a show in Detroit, and he was he was out of jail, and I'm, and I'm just like I'm coming to Detroit. I got a show, and um, he came to my show, and I got to meet him for the first time, and we was able to build that that relationship, but. One of the, the main things that I was kind of worried about was like, what kind of person was he gonna be? Like, cause I knew I had been through a lot and I knew at this point I didn't really need somebody to come in and be trying to be my dad. You know, I had already had a daughter. Um, I was already who I was gonna be. So I really just wanted to have some type of relationship. But then I turned around and I did the four agreements and I called it the four agreements and that was based off of that book. Mm-hmm. You know, all of the agreements. Um, then I turned around and I did the growing process, you know, and it's just in my growing process, letting my fans know that you guys are tapped into my growing process. I'm not tapped into anybody else's, you know, like this is just how I'm shifting and I hope we can shift together, you know, that type of thing. Um, then after that, I dropped Wisdom and Good Vibes, um, the Wisdom and Good Vibes EP and um, receiving all the wisdom and the good vibe, putting the good vibes out into the world was kind of the the thing, you know. Um, it was really more about the wisdom I was receiving and the good vibes I wanted to dish out based off that wisdom. All this wisdom made me feel like I need to spread this love, you know. It was, was kind of like my feelings, um, you know. And I skipped over like the golden age and like, you know, the golden age, that was one of my biggest, that's probably my biggest project. It has the records like World Peace and Killing With Kindness and New History and Can't Stop, Won't Stop and all those things. And um, I think tapping back into the golden age, tapping back into what kind of made hip hop hip hop when people felt like we're representing where we come from and the energy that where we come from what kind of energy we got and we broadcasting that but we like we the um how can i say like they're like the ones that's just exposing everything they're like the the demonstrators to everything that's going on in their neighborhood and they're painting the pictures for what's going on and the things that ain't right and the things that's right and how we gotta be and things like that. And that was always the golden age to me, like people really tapping into their true feelings. 
and being able to paint that picture for the world to experience it. So that's what I really wanted to accomplish with the Golden Age project. Really go back into that mindset of being a representative, uh, for being a demonstrator for, you know, my neck of the woods and, you know, the people that have been through similar things that I've been through. Um, but then I dropped State of Mind. I <laughs> and these are all projects. So it's just like all, like all of them are think it's thinking music, you know, and I just find my my ways to add my versatility in there to make it cool for the kids to be like, yo, that's dope. But it's a lot of thinking music. State of mind was, you know, focusing on your state of mind and getting in tune with yoga. This is when I first got in with yoga and started doing, um, really just looking for that silence, you know, within myself and finding that quiet place. You realize that life is just a noisy place. Um, and then turning around to the last year, dro dropping the second Golden Age 2 and then dropping the State of Mind 2. Just revamping on the things that I've said back in the day as an older man, though. Like, you know, and extending that story out for fans to get involved with. So I feel like, you know, a lot of people are still sticking with Dizzy Wright and like this hasn't just been a thing where people are just overlooking it right after they hear after the song that they like kind of fades away it's, it's because it's been a continuous a continuous like thinking growing process type of thing like I'm I've been finding myself and in in the process of finding myself I've been putting it out in the world for the world to judge it or bump it and you know do whatever they want with it and I think that that helps people be like hey, I'm gonna be myself too you get what you get you know and I think that I, I help people tap into that or I at least try to so I do listen to your music and you know that and I've noticed that, that there's that sense of your fan could grow with you yeah in your music which yeah. I pre appreciate very much and, and the, the growing pain and, and, and thing that happened in your life still happening today to the youngster. Absolutely. And so I think that's why it, it, it doesn't phase out um, because you've always had audience that could connect to your music. Um, Absolutely. And I don't remember, it was there a song that you wrote about being a young father and not having the experience of growing up with your father. What was that stressors like for you? I don't remember. Hmm. That. Um, I, yeah, it was probably Welcome Home, I think you're talking about. Um, yeah, being a, I wasn't, it's crazy when you become a dad and you just, you never had a dad around, you know. Uh, my fiance, she, she would tell you the first thing um, that I told her when she told me she was, she wanted to have the baby, um, she's going to have to help me. You're going to have to help me with everything because I'm essentially becoming a whole new man. Mm -hmm. So I'm like being raised all over again, you know. And when you have your, your you know, your father around, somebody you could just go to and really get that game. Some people don't want it. They're just like, oh, my, you know, my homegirl right now, you know, she just had her baby and she just, she just like, my daddy annoying. He be he on me about everything, you know? So maybe my pops would have been on me about everything, but it's so much better 
to let somebody know, yo, appreciate having that that person in your corner because some people don't got nobody and they got to really, really figure it out. And it's just, it's difficult on them. It's difficult on the kids. Sometimes it's difficult on the people around you. And, um, you know, it's just nerve wracking. For my, for me, my daughter, I really wanted to have my daughter. Um, I feel like I was going through a stage where I was feeling a little depressed. Um, I was feeling more um, lonely, I would say. Um, I was in high school. I moved into my own apartment when I was a senior in high school. And um, me and mom just trying to get away from my mom, you know, at the time. Um, And I think just... I lost my whole train of thought. I don't know what I was being depressed. About. Oh yeah, sorry, being depressed. Um, I'm not depressed anymore, by the way. I'm very happy. It's but okay. at the time, I'm not assessing you right now, so oh, we're so okay. We're cool. <laughs> so at the time, I feel like um, the distance, not being around my brothers, not being around my sister, and then I, I didn't really want to be beefing with my mom. Like I didn't feel like. I truly had a real problem with her. I just didn't agree with how she was doing certain things. And I felt like um, she wanted me to get down with some stuff that I didn't really want to get down with at the time. And um, when I went and I was living by myself, I thought that's what I really wanted. I thought like, oh, I'm a senior in high school. I want to be living alone. And I'm just like, I got to wake myself up. Sucks. (laughs) It's just like, oh, man. And. Christmas, when the holidays came around, it just started getting real. Like, like I'm spending Christmas by myself. This is crazy. You know, I, I remember waking up and we used to complain about having one bedroom apartments, you know, but when you, when you, when there's nobody there, then it's just like, you know. So I think that most of mine was just, most of my depression came from circumstances and just the simple fact that I, I was I was showing more hate towards my mom than I really wanted to, um, and um, that's just where we was at at the time, and it put me in that mental state that um, I needed some type of affection, some type of love. Like, um, so when I found out that my fiance was pregnant with our first child, um, I was excited. I was excited because I was just like. I'm cool with this. You know what I mean? I could use somebody to just love all the time, you know? And I felt like I needed something to make me just want to work hard. I felt like I was losing kind of faith in, um, well, I'm not going to say I was losing faith in anything. I was just say I was being, I felt extremely unmotivated. And I felt like having my daughter really put me into that mind that mindset of like yo you got something to live for you know what I mean and then having my daughter show me how much I actually had to live for you know what I mean how many because when you have kids and it brings out the best in people around you and you're able to uh, find common grounds on any problems that you normally had you know and uh, it just helped me kick off that journey to really being a better version of myself you know yeah 
So you know one out of five kids in the United States have some sort of mental health issues, like a better word. I didn't and, know that. And and majority of them have depressions. And you might be aware that the the, the suicide number of suicides in teenager in our country is at alarming rate. So for a kid who's listening to you now, who've gone through a lot and and ha, 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 has now found success mm-hmm. and what 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 would be some of your advice for those kids who are in not in their state of mind right now? Um, life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. Um, you just gotta find the things that are important to you. Um, and I will I will really it's finding something that you're passionate about and um holding on to that. You know, don't ever let anybody taint the things that you love. Life is beautiful. You know, you can turn that into anything. But to even, you know, um, wake up and to start your day and to get up and use your two feet, you know, it's a blessing. You know, life is beautiful. And it could be so much worse. I would just tell them, um, keep striving. Still moving, push through. Do you think it's important for kids or youngsters to be there for each other? Oh yeah, yeah. But you, I also think that it's important that kids know that everybody's not gonna be there for you. Nobody's entitled to, you know, keep the people close that you that you're willing to fight for, and um, you know, hopefully they're willing to fight for you back. And if not, it's okay to move on. You know what I mean? But I think it's very important to you know express yourself talk you know don't be holding everything in don't hold all your emotions in even if it sounds silly you know um you know always converse and be open and talk to your friends and keep good friends around you sound like a song in the making (laughs) yeah exactly i need to let them know keep your friends close (laughs) but yeah I think that's important. Any other advice? You got to be in tune with yourself. And that's why I express that so much because if I allowed every little thing that was said about me affect me, um, I wouldn't be in this position, you know. But, you know, on a smaller scale, we don't think about that because it's not enough people saying things, you know. So you're able to be like, focus on that focus your energy on whatever that person is saying or, or or really feed into something that's um careless you know what i mean and i think that i think you got to have tough skin and i think that you just have to be in tune with yourself and long as you know yourself and, and are comfortable in your own skin you have to find a way to be comfortable in your own skin this is what helps me um but I would tell anybody, find a way to be comfortable in your own skin and it won't impact you as much. Everything's gonna have an impact on you though, good or bad, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you shouldn't shy away from things that have an impact, um, but more just on how you accept it and take it in and chew it up and spit it out. <laughs> what you do with it, right, and how you handle yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I choose to share my journey and my story because I 
I feel like it will inspire people to continuously push through. And I also share to let people know that it's okay to go through your growing process even if you make mistakes. Um, even if you don't say everything right, even if your beliefs change, even no matter what, it's just important for you to go through your growing process and not somebody else's. And I think that I like to tell my story because I'm one of those kids that, you know, I was in a shelter. Um, I could relate to everybody, I feel like. And like I said, I think that I'm not one of those dudes that's just like, you know, um, only focus on a race problem, you know? I realize that there's a life problem, you know? We all go through different emotions and different things, and um, it's, it doesn't always buckle down to just one thing. And being able to use my platform to talk to people about different topics or even just showing them an example of how I went through a situation or how I handled a situation to maybe inspire them to handle it similar or even better or use what I my situation to be a better version of me you know I think what you said so powerful is that uh, speak out and express yourself yeah and that's the that's the piece that get a lot of our kids in depressions and eventually you know, attempt suicide. That they don't feel like there's an outlet. They don't feel like they can't do that. And that message is really powerful. And I would say this because, you know, a lot of people who are depressed, um, from what I've came across, don't always utilize the people around them. That's right. You know, the so isolations. I, I was feeling yeah. like they're the only one yeah. that going through it. I don't know how you shake that funk fully, but. I, I will just be the one to say that you should always try to just talk to the people that you feel like care about yeah, you the most absolutely. and, um, you know, be expressive and and um, be open to new ideas. Yeah. You know, if you're going through something and you're not really satisfied where you're at in life and somebody says, well, let's go hiking and you don't really hike, go hike. Be open to new ideas, be open to bringing new things into your life and, um, find a way to just keep it going and it'll work itself out so being active like, active is very important isolation is the 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 the, the, the worst thing that you yeah. can do for someone be active don't isolate yeah thank you for your time thank you my man thank you for sharing your journey with us uh, very powerful thank you and uh, um, i think that the youngster in the family that hear your story uh, will give them strength Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate you. Welcome to Silent Mode. This is a relaxation exercise. For this exercise, we will be taking slow, deep breaths through our nose. Starting from way down in your stomach, I want you to breathe all the way up into your chest. Okay, get ready. Breathe in.
in.
focus with me. Breathe in. in.